Welcome to Kia Says Some Shit Podcast, a place we'll be discussing all things in life, according to me. I'm your host, Ken. I definitely got some shit to say. Today, I want to talk about vampires and not the blah, blah, blah ones that go bump or rather suck in the night. I mean, these ones do suck, but not our blood. They suck the life force out of us. Leaving us emotionally, mentally, and even physically depleted like a Capri Sun at a preteen summer camp. Today we're discussing energy vampires. Do you have one in your life? I'm sure you do. We all do. How to spot one and how to protect yourself from them or at least how to deal with them. Have you ever felt like after speaking or being around someone that they clearly stole your juice? Like if you were a physical bag of potato chips, they ate all of the chips out and left you as the crumbs and debris of the corner. We've all been there, right? You just got off the phone with your family member, self-absorbed Sally, or ended a brunch date with boundary issue Brenda and her best friend Debbie the Downer, or wrapped a meeting with your coworker Chatty Kathy and you feel spent, tapped out, washed up, Weary like your theme song is Swing Low Sweet Chariot. You need a nap. I mean, you at least need a break from everything and everyone for a short time. Then you, my friend, have quite definitely come into contact and even been preyed upon by one of these vile creatures. They are found in warm, climated parts of your life that you are emotionally tethered to, like the workplace, in your family, or in your social circle. These toxic, self-absorbed, self-centered individuals are parasitic in the way that they intentionally or unintentionally deprive you of your energy, your sense of emotional safety, and your ability to engage in self-care. Being around them can cause you to feel depressed, anxious, confused, even manifest physically like your pulse increases, your palms sweat, and your sense of fight or flight kicks in. You might even experience pain or physical ailments that come out of nowhere. It can affect your productivity, your ability to focus, and your overall mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Conversations with emotional vampires are dominated by one person. Them. It's all about them. How this person was a jerk to them. How that person has it out for them how awesome they are, how everyone wants to sleep with them, how everyone wants them except the people they want, how pathetic those other people are, how everyone wants to be like them, how everyone hates them, blah, 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 blah. This Jumanji torrential-like downpouring of self-centeredness from them goes from one extreme to the other extreme. They go from how awesome they think they are. I mean, obviously, they are trying to convince themselves and not me to how pathetic and helpless they are because obviously there is no need to take responsibility or accountability for anything because they are the victim, even of their own devices. Often, these illusions of grandeur and victimization happen back to back to back like a game of dominoes within the same conversation. Either way, it barely takes you 30 minutes, let alone an hour of conversing with them 
before you will be inspired to run into open flames covered in baby oil while holding charcoal just to get away. C is this type of excessive need for validation and attention that pushes people away from the emotional vampire in the beginning. The constant need for affirmation grinds people's gears. The emotional ups and downs, the dramatic successes and failures, the plethora of complaints, they are all tiring as F. And some people aren't willing to tolerate it. Therefore, they'll make a clear move to ignore the emotional vampire after meeting them, thus reaffirming to the vampire that people are mean, that nobody likes them, and they are, again, the victims. It's not their fault. These utterly exhausting, needy individuals who seeks constant attention, regardless if it's positive or negative, and have a tendency to drain emotional energy out of every one they come in contact with, are not opposed to making grand public displays in order to garner said attention that again can be both self-serving or self-loathing. And when you're an attention-starved as an emotional vampire, creating any sort of emotional reaction out of those around you, even if it's pity, anger, or hatred, it's worth it. There are roughly five types of emotional vampires. They are the narcissist, the victim, the controller, the constant talker, and of course the drama queen. Now this first vamp needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. This vamp never likes to be outdone. Doesn't believe in sharing the spotlight and always wants to be number one. Give it up for Lady Narcissist. If you weren't aware, narcissism is a type of personality disorder. It is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, delusion of grandeur, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. See, their relationships are usually superficial or exploitative. They have a lack of empathy for others. And if things aren't done their way, they become punishing, withholding, or cold. The narcissist must be held at a level of superiority at all times with everyone around them. They are never at fault. But somehow every single person in their life is always 100% at fault. They never do anything wrong ever. Or at least never admit it. It is always the other person or something else responsible for their current state of being. They are not capable of being honest with themselves and accepting responsibility for their lives. You know, psychologically, they need a scapegoat. They've always been so focused externally that they never developed an ability to sit down and analyze their own thoughts and emotions. Energy vampires will shift the attention of discussion to themselves, turning your dismay into their emotional buffet. Oh, so you're a poet, and you know it. (laughs) Just picture their inflated need for attention, muck-banging on your time, your energy, your mental capacity, 
And they trying to outdo you with their story time, which will surely make yours seem easy breezy. Let's call these people one-uppers. They are the ones that can't let you live or even suffer in pain without trying to outdo you. A conversation could easily go, oh my God, I got hit by a car. Oh, really? I got hit by two cars and my kneecap shattered and my doctor offered me a robotic leg, but I told him I'm young and the bones will regrow. Another example could easily go, Oh my God, I just ordered this amazing fruit from this tropical international company. Oh, really? You know, just because it's tropical fruit doesn't mean it's non-GMO. I get mine from a farmer that only eats apples and walnuts and fertilizes his soil with his own poop. I mean, it's like the circle of life. Not only am I eating the most organic thing ever, but I'm saving the planet because he's recycling. See, these people are aggravating. Where the narcissist motto might be me, myself, and I first. The victims and dumpers motto is woe is me. The world is against me. It's falling on my head. See, these are all the reasons why they are unhappy. Individuals who habitually indulge in self-victimization, also known as playing a victim, do so for various reasons like to control or influence other people's opinions, feelings, and actions to justify their abuse to others, to seek attention, or as a way of coping with some situation. Now their colleague, the chronic dumper, you know, same profession, same job description, fancier title. Continuously unloads their trash on you. They don't necessarily want an answer or a solution to their problem. They just need to whine and complain, aka a victim. By allowing them to dump all their distress on you, you are supporting a process that may offer only temporary relief, but gives the dumper a free pass to dwell on negativity lane. Although they can actually change circumstances to avoid being victimized, they won't. They won't seize the opportunity because they want to play the role. See, they have been practicing for this role their entire lives. They are so convinced that this role is them, that they are the victim, that when offered a solution to their problems, they rather provide an excuse as to why they shouldn't. Or why they can't. And again, it's never their fault. The excessive needy behavior elicits negative reaction from others and drives people to far, far, far away land. But instead of considering that people respond negatively towards them because of what they said or did was offensive or self-centered or obnoxious, they prefer to believe that all of those around them are just assholes. The next vamp is a control freak and the critic. These two, again, are two heads of the same coin. They are obsessively trying to control you and dictate how you're supposed to be and feel. They have an unsolicited opinion about everything 
and nothing. They'll control you by invalidating your emotions when they don't fit into their narrative. They often start sentences with, you know what you need to do. Or if I was you, I'd, and then proceed to tell you. (laughs) Nobody asked you. (laughs) Nobody asked you for your opinion. You end up feeling dominated, demeaned, or put down. See, these assholes always want to tell you what they would do if they were in your shoes, in your relationship, in your home, at your job, with your hair, with your body, but lack the resources or know how to cultivate and organize their own situation. They may even use dehumanizing tactics or criticism to keep you in a state of feeling like you owe them your attention and should continue to work to stop their unwanted attacks and guilt trips that they use to get what they want. I mean, it's the manipulation via guilt trips for me. They know that shame is a great weapon against people who are compassionate and caring. In their heads, they may mean well, but time in their company leaves those on the receiving end feeling like they are in need of a good bowel movement because they are tired, irritable, and defensive. Next on the ballot, the constant or compulsive talker. These talkers are not interested in your feelings because they only concern with themselves and becoming interested in you and what you have to say could jeopardize their entire approach to communication. I mean, they could lose their train of thought. How dare you have an opinion or want to change the subject or at least intervene? Perhaps part of the talking is to rush out thoughts because they have been cut off and felt unheard for so many years and so many times before. However, there's a difference between someone talking to you and someone talking at you. Please know it. Know the difference. Compulsive talkers can also be argumentative and short-sighted. They have trouble seeing others' viewpoints or listening to what others have to say. They will quickly cut you off or speak over you because they haven't been listening but preparing their rebuttal or ready to at least finish their their initial point. If you know someone who spends more than 45 minutes talking about only themselves and you still haven't been able to respond or reply to anything, run. Run for the hills. It's more than likely this person is using you as an emotional dumping ground. And last but not least, and probably my favorite, the drama queen or king. These people have a flair for making small incidents into off-the-chart novellas. And they are always in the midst of some shit. Whether it be their own or someone else's. You just like to play in shit. I don't get it. Drama queens experience life as a roller coaster. With a constant barrage of theatrics and melodramas leaving people around them motherfucking tired. If you are in fact a vampire. Or anything I describe sounds like a mirror image of you. And you are thinking, you know, <laughs> this ain't Alvin and Chipmunk's cute. If you want to change. 
I have a few suggestions on how to do so. I'd first say start off by paying attention to what you have control over rather than what you don't have control over. If things are in your power, then start there. We don't have control over anyone's perception of us. We do have control over how we perceive ourselves. We don't have control over how someone treats us. We do have control over how we allow others to treat us. And then pick your battles. Everything doesn't need your input and everybody isn't always against you. I've very recently learned how to just let someone argue with themselves. I have no problem telling someone, yeah, you're right, the sky is brown and seagulls are fish because it will cost me more energy to invest in this non-beneficial debate with someone that just wants to argue because either they are bored or they need to return their high school diploma. And then practice gratitude and appreciation for what you do have. Chances are, no matter how bad things are for you, they could easily be a lot worse. If 2020 has shown us anything, is that nothing is guaranteed. Life could always be darker and uglier than what we know. And stop complaining and comparing what you do or don't have or what appears others do. You have no knowledge as to what they invested, whether it's time, energy, finances, their health, their morals, to acquire what they have. Make a point each morning when you wake up to look in the mirror and say one thing that you're thankful for and one thing that you love about yourself and feel it. Positive affirmations and meditation should be added to your daily routine anyway. Take a couple of minutes and sit with yourself. Connect to yourself. Listen to your own heartbeat. Listen to yourself breathe. Someone didn't have the privilege to wake up and hear their own. So don't take yours for granted. Don't just say it. Actually feel the gratitude as you say it. And then show appreciation for others. Start random acts of kindness for your friends, families, and those around you. I mean, only if you want to. And we all should want to. It's baby steps. Now, for you that have found yourself on the biting end and are like, why me? What did I do in my past life to have to deal with such superfluous nonsense? It could be a number of reasons. Like, either you're too dysfunctional to notice the negative effects that vampire's behavior has had on you, or you're an emotional vampire and crave endless drama and attention and victimization, or we can go with you is kind, you is sensitive, you is compassionate, you is a good listener, you is available, you is stupid. I don't know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but listen, I won't leave you hanging like Rose did John before prying his kung fu grip off of that plank of wood and watching him sink to the abyss. I'm going to offer a few suggestions. Let's start off with establishing boundaries. Although this may be easier said than done, you can and should develop areas of your life where you won't allow energy vampires to enter. 
I am very protective of parts of my life and choose who to divulge information to or even who to allow in my home. If I don't feel comfortable enough to take off my wig and toss it in a bin in front of you, I don't really rock with you. No need to open a can of worms or other doors that they could try to stick their heads in. Set kind but firm limits. They may involve shutting off your emotional valve and not offering advice when they vent their problems to you. I call it standing in a shallow end. You can listen briefly to your friends or relatives, but give them a time limit to vent or complain. You can simply say, I love you, but you only got a few minutes to do this unless you want to discuss solutions. Or ask them, do you want my opinion or you just want me to listen? This establishes boundaries at the start of the conversation. This may also mean you can't use them as any type of emotional release either because, of course, they want to reciprocate. Start small, focus on a few areas, and then expand. Next, understand that you cannot fix an energy vampire. But what you can do is reshape your expectation of them by keeping it realistic. Some of them are emotionally limited people. You know, their emotions are slightly below medium on a very low scale. Understanding this is who they are until they receive the help they need. And understand that you cannot expect them to operate on your frequency. They have to operate on their own, obviously. Brief story. I had a co-worker that I called the Dragon Lady. She was old and curmudgeon and her personality was decrepit. And I didn't speak to her other than formalities for about a year. One day I looked at her and realized how pathetic she was. This was all a defense mechanism that she used to either protect herself because of some possible failings of her home life or as her own coping mechanism. From that day on, I responded to her differently because my expectations of her changed. I came to understand that her coping mechanisms and her actions didn't have anything to do with me. They didn't have anything to do with me and I wouldn't allow them to affect me or my work environment because I'm not allowing anyone to have that much power. Next, don't give someone an inch because they will take a mile. If the energy vamp calls, stops by, or texts, don't give them the room to ruin your day. Or at least don't give them more than you are willing. Don't play their therapist because you aren't and you aren't getting paid. Instead, point them in the direction of professional help. But if you somehow get caught in the corner like a wildcat, you can simply do what I do And just go into your mind and go through several musical catalogs while tuning them out. Guard your emotional capacity. Energy vampires use verbal cues to know when they have someone hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's all in your face and the way you lean and your body posture. An energy vampire can tell these as signs of investment. Do not invest. Don't be invested. Don't be invested. Don't be invested. I'm sorry. <laughs> what you should do instead is offer stone-faced short responses 
and or only offer open-ended questions for them to answer themselves. This way you won't open yourself up to their demands and you can reserve your energy for you. In some cases, you have the freedom to exercise this person from your life entirely. This may seem dramatic, but you have to remember that you're protecting yourself in the end. If you have respectfully expressed your feelings about your exchanges with them and or their behavior towards you and nothing has changed, did it. If you aren't for me, then you are against me. And I've never had an issue with allowing anyone to flourish in a realm outside of me and without me. Bottom line is, by recognizing these behaviors and trying to put an end to it, whether you are the vampire peering out of the dark tunnel into the light or you are one of these people who has been subjected to these not-so-supernatural creatures, remember, you're protecting yourself, your health, and your overall well-being. No one deserves to be mistreated or used in any of these manners. It's certainly not your fault that some people refuse to accept responsibility for their own emotional maturity. And that isn't your burden to bear. I get that it's different because we all want to show up for others. But the more we come to understand our own mental and emotional health and the effects being bombarded with low vibrational negativity and toxicity has on us, we become more vocal and protective with the limited amount of dumping space we have in our gardens. And that's on that. And that's period pool. Look, I want to thank you for listening every Wednesday to Kids Has Some Shit podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Kids Says Some Shit. Questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a topic you'd like me to discuss on the upcoming podcast, leave it there. See you guys next week.